Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Uh, But listen, we're so glad to see you. We're so glad that you're here. We have been in a sermon series called On Target, and we just really believe as a church Man, there, there's so much distractions in our world. Like We feel like the noise uh, is intensifying. And we wanted to make sure how can we, as a church body, navigate this and stay on target. Stay, like hit the bullseye. Like he'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into rest. I don't know about you, but ain't no rest here. I mean, life can be great, but there's no rest here. And we want to stay on target. And so what we did is we, we, we have broken this down and we did a sermon on being on, what it takes to be on, light your flame, be on. Then we talked about TAR, T-A-R, the sticky part and, and, and how when uncertainty comes, like you're going to have to stick, like you're going to have, you're going to, have to be anchored in, in TAR. And then last week we had three communicators that spoke in the morning. We had three communicators that spoke in the evening, and then today we had three in the morning, and we have three more. Come on, this evening. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. And, and I really do feel like, as far as theology, I want to make sure that you get a few Bible verses in you. And so I'm always wrestling with how fast to go in church, because there are seasons when you're super hungry and you want to learn a lot. But then there are seasons where you got to, like, come on. Nobody wants to hit the steak with a little salt. Like, you want to marinate that bad boy. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, want to, I want to bite into that. You know, I'm offended when people say you need A1. No. We marinated this bad boy. You don't need nothing. Okay? And so there are times in our church where we're going to marinate And I'm going to use one verse over and over again. And it's not because I'm not creative. It's not because I don't know that there's other verses in the Bible. Okay? I just want to say that. It is because I really want to get this in your heart so that when you're attacked or when you feel like you've blown it or you feel like you've messed up, this verse comes back at you. And so you can tell the devil where to go. I mean, you you can tell him, no, man, no. Okay? And so... Psalms 103, verse 1 through 5, says this. Blessed is the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his, come on, say it, benefits. Serving the Lord, come on, has benefits. Benefits. Who forgives all of your iniquity. Now he goes into listing them. Here are the five. He forgives all of your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. Come on, on that day that you get fired, on that day that relations get super hard, on the day you hear the news you don't want to hear, on pit days, I need you to know that it doesn't say you won't experience them. It says God will get you out of them. You hear that? Okay. 
who crowns, your life, crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. And I meet so many people now who have been crowned with shame or anxiety or fear, apprehension. And I'm telling you that you get to take that crown off and you get to wear a crown of love and mercy. And I don't know, but it, I think it changes the way you live life. What if you lived life and you woke every day, woke up every day feeling loved? Not unloved by your spouse or unloved by your kids or taken advantage of or whatever, but every day you got up like you felt loved. And you felt mercy. Like Jesus, come on, crowns you with those things. Look at this. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. The way to sap the life and hope out of your life is to be stressed and distressed by everything in your life. And God says that, yo, I'm going to satisfy you. In a world that can't get no satisfaction, God says, yo, I got you. Okay? This is an important verse for us to learn. Because what this tells me is that with the Lord, we can overcome. We can overcome. And I, I need to know if there's any overcomers. Come on, listen, in the room. I, I may not be there yet, but I'm on my way. Come on, overcomers. Okay. We believe that with God, all things are possible. Sure, there are going to be people who don't like you. And you don't go to church to work on yourself enough to where you'll be liked. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't need to change your personality, grow up a little bit, mature a little bit. Come on, does that, that doesn't mean that. But where you used to be immature and your personality would annoy someone... When you begin to follow God, it turns into conviction, and then you begin to annoy people. So there's no place in life where everyone's just going to love everything that you do. They're going to be like, oh. Uh. And so you just got to get, okay, God, you approve me even if everybody doesn't. Sure, there are going to be moments that are going to be hard. Sure, there are going to be issues that come up. But with God, all things are possible. And we got three people that are going to share their story. And I love 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says this, and this is kind of the context of why we let people share their story publicly. Well, shouldn't only preachers preach? No, 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 no. Every one of you are in the ministry. You hear me? I don't care what you do for a living. Every one of you are in the ministry and you got a story to share. And here's what the Bible says. First Peter chapter three, verse 15. But in your hearts, honor, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. People can see fake, but people can also see genuine. And if they begin to see hope in you, knowing that your life isn't perfect, then here's the deal. We are so competitive and inquisitive that after a long while, listen, we want to watch millions of YouTubes on motivational speakers because how did The Rock do it? You know, like, like, we're like, I want to do some. When people get around us, 
and you don't talk like someone who's beat up, bruised, spit on, washed up, but you talk about the hope that's in you, after a while, people will ask a question because they're compelled to. After a while, they'll ask the question, and we want to teach you as the church. We believe that's how we win this area to Jesus, is we prepare you to be ready for the question. That when people ask you, you don't go, I don't know, ask my small group leader. Ah. But, but, but actually, you're like, I've been ready for this moment. I'm actually glad that you asked, because no one's asked me in a while, and I wanted to make sure the hope was still there. Come on. Do it with gentleness and respect. Here's the thing. Is you're going to hear three communicators. They're going to go 11 minutes, okay? So it's going to be fast. It's going to be furious. It's going to be awesome. But but they're going to come up, and I need you to help them. Come on, listen to what I'm saying. I need you to amen them. Okay? Amen means so be it. If you don't like amen, maybe you're not, I don't do religious stuff. Just say, yeah, buddy. <laughs> I don't, I'm, not, like, like, I don't, I'm good. <laughs> but, 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 uh, but I think that, listen, we want to pull it out of these people because you have a testimony and we have a few people brave enough to share it. And, and I'm hoping that it encourages you to go out and share your testimony over coffee with an employee over on the job site. Come on, does that make sense? And so uh, I'm going to pray and we're going to jump right into it. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Okay. Father, we thank you so much for what you're going to do tonight as we talk about how with you all things are possible. Be with all of our communicators, help them speak clearly and with the authority that God has given them in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said... All right, our first communicator is Shelby Baldridge. Come on! Well, good evening, y'all. I am so excited to kick us off tonight. Like Pastor Stephen said, my name is Shelby Baldridge. Uh, My husband is Nick Baldridge. He was uh, here last week. If y'all were here, he spoke as well. (laughs) So we have uh, been married for nine years now. We have four little kiddos between the ages of two and seven, so our life is a little crazy, uh, but it is so fun, and we just love it. We also get to serve in the family hub here at the house, so that means mom life, dad life, parenting, marriage. We have life groups for all of those seasons of life, and they're in the family hub, and we just love getting to do life with people who want to do it God's way in the family. Uh, So shout out to y'all if you're in the family hub. We love getting to do life with y'all. Okay, I'm going to give you a little perspective into my personality. If you don't know me, I am a planner. Y'all wave at me if you're a planner. Any planners in the room? Okay, these are my people. All the planners, you're my people. So just to give you an idea of how much of a planner I am. So I remember just a few days after we found out we were pregnant with our first child, um, I made, I was thinking, what should we name this baby? So, you know, I made a list naturally, like a a spreadsheet list. And uh, (laughs) I looked up all the meanings of the names because that's important. And then I made a second tab on the list for like first name and middle name because, you know, the combinations, they're important. And put the, the meanings on there as well, just for easy, easy reference. And then my husband came in and destroyed it and said, these are all the ways these names can get made fun of in school. <laughs> so that is a, a husband's job when you are naming your child. 
So um, anyways, us planners, we just like to know what's going on, basically. <laughs> so here are some planning questions. If you're not a planner, here are some questions that we often ask ourselves. Um, where am I going? How do I get there? What do I need to bring? And what issues should I be ready for when I arrive? How many of y'all know that when you follow God's direction, he doesn't always answer our list of questions before he asks us to step out? Many times he asks us to use our faith. And practicing faith is scary. <laughs> so my title tonight is, With God, All Things Are Possible When We Trust in His Direction. The scripture that I want to share with you is Proverbs 16, 9. It says, a man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. So I'm going to share a story with y'all um, about when my husband and I moved to northwest Arkansas. So in 2017, God just really started stirring something in Nick and I. And it was really exciting, uh, but we had a mountain of reasons why we could absolutely not do it. <laughs> um, and so it kind of started like a dream. I don't know if you guys have a dream vacation, but for me, it's like I could go to Europe and we could backpack and see the Colosseum in Italy and we could stay for a month and it would be amazing. But, you know, I need to pay my mortgage and we got to work and we got these kids. So you kind of reel yourself back in, you know, and you're like, let's just that maybe one day, but definitely not today. So that's kind of what we told God. We were like, that would be so cool, but we're not doing that. Um, <laughs> so let me just paint a picture for you of where we were in this season. So we had been married for four years. Uh, we were attending a church in Kansas City that I actually grew up in. So I started as a little baby in the nursery, and I graduated as a senior in high school. It was my home church, okay? Uh, we had a lot of family that lived near us, which for us was huge because we have a lot of family. Um, and so we had friendships that I had spent my whole life building. We had a two-and-a-half-year-old and an 18-month-old, so we were in the trenches of parenting. If any of y'all are there, you know, living near your parents, having free babysitting, you don't leave that. It's gold. <laughs> okay? Um, we owned a house. Um, at the time, Nick had the highest paying job that he had had our whole marriage, probably his whole life, <laughs> um, uh, at the time. And we were comfortable. We were good in Kansas City. Well, what God started putting on our hearts was to move to Northwest Arkansas. So, like I said, it started as a joke, and then it kind of turned into a realistic thought. Like, we're thinking about it often enough now where it's like, you can't pretend like God didn't put this on your heart. So uh, we had known Pastor Stephen and Katie from an internship that we went to. We knew them. We loved them. We trusted them. And we knew the call of God was on their life. And so to think about coming and being a part of the house was really exciting. Um, and as time went on, this desire got deeper, louder, and clearer as each month passed. So now we started praying a whole lot more about it. We started wrestling with the practicalities of like, okay, we're going to sell our house and how do we, you know, find out what kind of job we can get there and find a place to live? Um, you know, we're going to move really far away with all these little kids. Like, what would that even look like? And honestly, y'all, I was afraid. Like, I pleaded with the Lord. Like, what if we have no friends? Actually, I have friends here, and I don't know anyone there. <laughs> so who do I, I remember asking Stephen, but who do I call if I have an emergency at 4 a.m.? <laughs> like, this is my concern. <laughs> um, I was in the season of parenting 
where if any of my kids, um, like I said, my mom lived really close. So if like one of my kids threw up, I'd just call her and be like, come help me. And she would. So I was like, but who's going to do that for me when my husband's at work? <laughs> um, so I was definitely concerned. Um, what if the finances don't work out? I mean, there were all of these questions. So my personality, I'm like, okay, God, it's going to be okay. Let's just make a plan. So I have some questions, and we can make a plan, and I will feel so much better. So really, God, if you could just tell me who my friends are going to be, like their names would be great so I could look them up on Facebook, and uh, maybe how much money we're going to make so I could budget that, I would really feel more prepared, and then maybe what house we're going to live in, because I hear it's, it's hard to find a house in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, so if I could have those three answers, I'd feel great. Well, he did not answer any of those questions for me. <laughs> he said, I want you to trust me and take a step. Now, let me just pause and say that this was not a demand from heaven that we were feeling. This was an invitation. It was like, if you'll do this, I have something for you. And so we weren't like, you know, afraid that we were going to miss it. But we felt like, man, if we would just trust God and step here, I know that he has something for us. So obviously we moved here and God provided. He provided all of our needs. Now, it wasn't all at once. <laughs> there was a lot of, you know, three steps forward, two steps back. Any of y'all ever been there? <laughs> uh, okay, so in order to move, Nick took a job that was a $15,000 a year pay cut, which for us was a lot of money, okay? <laughs> um, we started renting where we had been owning um, our car started breaking down, literally like one quit and never worked again after we moved here. Um, if you were here last week, you heard my husband say we found out we were pregnant the week we moved here, which we were so excited for, but the timing was so overwhelming. So I'm like, okay, God, I have no family. I have less money. I have one less car and extra children. Like, what is this going to look like? <laughs> Please come save me. <laughs> um, I remember financially, we had months, not months, many, many, many months, <laughs> where we had to pick which bills to pay late. So it would be like, this month we're going to pay electric late, and then next month we'll catch up on that. Well, then we'll have to pay water late, and then we'll catch up on that. Like, this was our financial reality. Um, and it was very overwhelming. Well, now, in May, it will have been five years since we moved here, and I can tell you that our life is thriving more than we ever thought it could. Um, I know you've probably heard Pastor Stephen and Katie say, if you'll give us a year, you'll look back and see your life is healthier. And I can absolutely attest to that. We are freer than we thought that we could be when we moved here. And let me just clarify, obviously this is not because the place that we moved from was bad and the place that we moved to was perfect. That's not it. It's about the obedience. It's about the yes to the Lord. We trusted his direction. And see, the safest place for you to be is in the center of God's will, and it doesn't matter where that is geographically. So I have two points for you tonight. The first one is, there's always more freedom on the other side of my obedience to God. Okay? <laughs> uh, our very own Pastor Katie taught me that, so <laughs> that exact phrase. Um, but it's not about the okay, equation, okay? It's about the obedience. You can't compare your life to your friend and say, if I make all those same choices. No, no, it's about his direction on your life. See, my next step is going to look different than yours, 
But if we both obey, we can trust that God is faithful. My next point for you is if or when I follow his direction, I may meet resistance, and that doesn't mean that God has left me. I know in those moments it can feel like, okay, God, you told me to do this, and it's not really turning out the way I thought it would. <laughs> well, I um, remember we'd been living here a couple months, and I was going back to Kansas City every other weekend to see my family. And I remember God was like, um, Shelby, if you're going to be here, like be here. <laughs> he was like, you're going to have to say yes. You're going to have to commit to a life group. You're going to have to quit jumping back and forth between there and here. You're going to have to trust that I can transplant your heart and put it here, and then you'll thrive. You can't just say yes once. You have to keep saying yes. Um, and so, obviously, um, we just had to keep obeying. And it wasn't just the physical, but it was also in our hearts, in our prayer, in our, you know, every Sunday as we came, we had to receive the message. And so in closing tonight, I just want to ask you, what's your next step? What is the thing that you have been feeling the Lord ask you to do? Because there's always another step because he loves us so much that he always keeps directing us. We're never done. So, um, you know, you may be saying, God, you're asking me to commit to a life group but man, that sounds really scary. And I've been there. <laughs> it was scary. Uh, Lord, you're asking me to tithe, but honestly, like I've done the math, and what if the finances don't work out? You may be saying, Lord, you're asking me to forgive this person, but what if my heart can't heal? Like these are very real concerns, but I just want to encourage you that every time we say yes to the Lord, it's never usually comfortable, but it's always, always worth it. Let me pray for us tonight. God, we are just so grateful for your faithfulness. God, we're grateful that you are trustworthy. Lord, we ask you to continue showing us what our next step is clearly on an individual basis. And we pray, God, that you would give us the courage to say yes. Give us the courage to lean in, God, even if it doesn't feel like we can. God, that we'll say yes to you. And we know that you are faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all give it up for our next communicator, Chad Benbrook. All right. Yes, my name is Chad Benbrook. My family and I have been coming to the house for, oh, over a year and a half now. Um, and have you ever looked around and asked yourself, what in the heck am I doing here? All right. Well, let me give you some advice. If that man asks you out to lunch someday... Some of you really want to meet him, but you better beware, because you may find yourself where you're not sure you want to be, okay? Um, but uh, just real quick, big, big thank you to everyone here at the house. You guys have been, from the very beginning, my family's walked in the doors. You guys have been awesome, okay? All right, so does anyone like to hike? We have any outdoors people? All right, yes. I love the outdoors. I love everything about the outdoors. You could literally take me outside, put me in a pile of dirt, and I would entertain myself for hours, just like a three-year-old. I kid you not. I love the outdoors. I love hiking. Well, I mean, I like the idea of hiking, okay? Um, you know, you're sitting around, you're like, we need something to do. So it's like, all right, let's go hiking. Your wife's like, oh, that's awesome. I've got this picnic basket. I've still never used it. I'll pack a lunch. And you're like, yeah, that'd be great. And like, you know, the dog's getting a little chunky. So 
we'll take him. He'll get his exercise. It'll be awesome. And you're like, we'll go up to this mountaintop. It's going to be beautiful up there. Well, you know, have a, have a blast. But if I was to be honest, that whole hiking part in the middle, not my favorite part. Not my favorite part. <laughs> usually packing a few extra pounds there. Um, you know, you thought your legs could physically keep up with your mental excitement about, but it doesn't work that way. The picnic basket is now bulky and heavy and awkward. The dog's pulling you all over the trail, but not the direction you want to go. Um, but if you persevere, you know, you will make it to that top. There's going to be that awesome view, that awesome experience up there. Um, and just like a real mountaintop, you know, we have these mountaintop experiences in life. So very similar to everything we've been talking about, the testimonies, you know. Um, and the mountaintop is amazing, okay? So uh, while you're up there, you can look behind you, and you can see where you came from. Uh, you can see the obstacles that you overcame and you persevered through. And then even better, you get to look the other direction. You get to catch vision. You get to see where you're going, and from that vantage point, you can look down into the valley and you can see those obstacles and you can kind of start to plan your course to, to reach that next goal or that next mountaintop. <clears throat> and the best thing, though, is every time you're on that mountaintop, you're having those experiences. Man, you feel so close to God. You can feel his love and his presence. And you're like, ah, oh, I get it. You know, this purpose that you have for me. Um, but what, what else do we do on the mountaintop? Take a picture, you know, selfie while we're up there. The reality is that we are meant, not meant to live or to stay on the mountaintop. The air is thin. The ground's not fertile. There's not room for movement or advancement. Um, and as beautiful and as awesome as it is, it's not meant to sustain life. So instead, we got to go back down to the valley. Where the obstacles reappear, the forest swallows up our paths. Um, you know, we lose sight of that goal or that next mountaintop. Um, and it's tough down there. We give the valley a bad reputation, don't we? And I guess for good reason. Um, but, you know, in all reality, the valley is where life happens, all right? It's where we are meant to flourish. Uh, the soil is fertile. You know, resources are abundant. There is room for growth. Um, you know, I don't want to take away from the mountaintop. I've had my own experiences. Uh, so many, I had to cut a lot of them out to stay under 11 minutes. But, you know, ministry and job opportunities, um, getting married, having children, and then far exceeding my own expectations of what it meant to be a father or a husband. Um, you know, Jesus, he used to sneak off to the mountain quite a bit to get close to God, to pray, to, you know, be refreshed. But he also went back down, uh, energized ready for ministry. I believe that with God, all things are possible every day. And that's on the mountaintop, that's in the valley, and that's anywhere in between, every day. So how do we excel instead of just surviving the valley? Well, for me, I've used Colossians 3.23 to keep me focused every day. Now, this isn't some deep theological verse, all right? It's probably not even that well known, but Probably 20 years ago, I found it, and I kind of made it my, my own. And it just says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So basically, everything you do, act like God's the boss, and he's there on the job site, all right? <laughs> um, and this has helped me through my, my marriage, my relationships, my ministry, 
And literally, I used to be a pest control guy doing termite work under a house all day or maybe even all week. And just literally, physically, it got me through that day, helped me keep my integrity when no one was watching under that house. Um, So it's helped me stay focused on God. But how how do we make that practical? Um, Say yes. All right. And first you say yes to Jesus. You say yes to receiving or uh, receiving forgiveness. They say yes to having integrity. You know, God says, do marriage my way. Do relationships my way, and you will be blessed. All right, yes, let's do that then. Uh, <clears throat> God says, seek me and know my heart. And we should be saying yes. Sorry. Um, then we need to move. The second thing is we need to move um, and look for those opportunities to do that. We may not always have God's full plan laid out in front of us, uh, but there's always something we can do to start to move. And of course, you know, we're in church, uh, read your Bible, pray, all right, those those basic things. But seriously, a lot of the things we face are in the Bible, and it, it tells us how to deal with it. So study and apply um, and find simple moments every day to to. To just move closer to God and his will for us. Like, make someone smile. Say, hey, I'm going to be a little more kind. I'm going to be a little more patient today. You know, we've all got relationships. Some of them are a little rocky. And we all know, though, at least one thing we could do to start to make that better. There's always a move we can take. Mountaintops are awesome. They're awesome. (laughs) I want to see us move up. And say yes and get to the top as many as possible. For me, though, the last seven months, I have not been on a mountain, but in a dark valley. And quite frankly, I felt like I've been face down in the mud. So on August 14th of 2021, the ventilator was removed. I went to the IC room. I gently placed an earbud in her ear. (laughs) The other in mine, and after a wedding song and a worship song, I prayed, I held one on his hand. I thanked her, and I said goodbye to my wife of 21 years. (laughs) COVID and death stole her from me. It would be easy and maybe even justified to lose my focus. Um, there are times that I do not want to pray. I do not want to raise my hands. And I do not want to worship. I do not want to have integrity. And I do not want to be joyful. Um, and I don't want to say yes. But even through the pain, even through the tears, I know that God loves me. It was not God's fault. All right. He is not to blame. So, what has not been stolen is my joy, my humor, my kindness, my creativity, my faith, and my hope. That church family is flourishing in the valley, and that is only because God can make all things possible every day. The mountaintops I have climbed, whether they be personally or spiritually, are just an accumulation of daily surrender to my Heavenly Father. 
So if you want to see and know that with God all things are possible, just start by saying yes and move toward him. It's, it's that easy. Father God, thank you for this church. Thank you for Jesus. And just give us all the courage and the knowledge and the wisdom to apply it, to be able to see those moments where we can start to say yes and we can start to move towards you. All right. Now, I give a big round of applause for Ben Peters. Can we please give Chad another round of applause? I know that that took a lot of courage um, to come up here and tell people about something so personal. Um, like you said, my name is Ben Peters. Um, I'm here today with my beautiful wife, Kelly. Uh, my girls are all here, just one right now. But um, I also have uh, a female dog, a uh, female cat, and more Barbies than Toys R Us. So um, if you need a Barbie or a doll, see me after. I have several up for adoption. So. <laughs> um, I also want to give honor to Pastor Stephen and Katie. Um, they have shown Kelly and I what it looks like um, to model the idea of uh, knowing people, loving people, and challenging people. They've celebrated us when we're winning. They've stayed close to us in hard times. And in the middle, they were our friends and mentors. And so if you would, will you please give them a round of applause? I'm going to start with a short story. Um, this was years ago when uh, I had the opportunity of becoming a police officer. I was young, fit, ambitious, and I thought I was going to save the whole world. Um, I had the fancy uniform, the Batman belt, shiny boots. Um, I thought I was really going to do something. So I had a couple fellow officers approach me and say, uh, asked if I want to be a part of the canine team. And this was something I'd always wanted to do. So before they could finish their proposal, I'd already said yes. Um, they invited me to a training day, and I'm sure you've seen the YouTube videos of the guy in the fluffy suit running through the field, and the, the flying fur missile hit him, <laughs> take him to the ground, um, and shake him like their favorite uh, toy. So I thought, surely there's more to training than that. Like, I won't have to do that, right? So I showed up to the first day, and there I was. <laughs> I'm in the suit. And if you want to know what this feels like, just put all of your clothes on that you have, and that's exactly what it feels like. <laughs> so he asked me if I was ready. I said, I'm ready. He went and got, the, got his dog, and when he got the dog out of the car, that was no ordinary dog. Like, this was an Olympic athlete. <laughs> he looked like he had done steroids most of his life. He had a great haircut, and I'm pretty sure... He finished a Red Bull before he got out of the car. <laughs> so again, he asked me if I was ready. I gave him the thumbs up, and I had a few simple instructions. Turn and begin running when the dog takes off. Give him my arm, take the bite, and fight with the dog until the officer comes and takes him away. I was like, that sounds easy. So he gave him the command. The dog took off. I turned, and I didn't even have time to look back. And it was like a meteorite hit me in the back. <laughs> so I found myself face down in the dirt, and I quickly realized that I was going to have to have 
a lot of two things, and those two things are patience and endurance. I had to be patient and trust the process because I wasn't just training one dog, I was training several. And then other people would come and they would want to train their dogs as well. And so I got to be the favorite chew toy. <laughs> I also had to endure a lot of bumps and bruises and pain along the way. And I had to realize that I wasn't as good at hide and seek as I thought I was. <laughs> like, dogs are better. They're just better. So... <laughs> These, these two things have uh, carried me through my life, and um, that's actually my title today is Patient Endurance. Growing up, I had a good childhood. My parents are still married. Now I grew up in a small town. I got to marry my high school sweetheart. Uh, oh, so pretty. <laughs> I got decent grades. I played sports. Um, very normal childhood. Um, I probably wasn't the teenage boy you wanted dating your daughter. And now I have three girls. So. But I don't think I was the worst. Um, it wouldn't take long. <laughs> That's my mother-in-law. She said amen if you guys didn't catch that. <laughs> uh, but it, it didn't take long um, for some of my habits to catch up with me. And I'm not talking about church attendance. So... I was about 26 years old, and I was living a me-first life. I wanted to have the most fun. I wanted to shut it down, go wild, stay out late. Um, but what I didn't realize was happening was I was pushing everybody inside of my sphere of influence out. And um, they didn't always want to be around me. And looking back, I don't blame them. Um, I had a foul mouth. I was impatient. I was rude. I didn't have any understanding. And I always wanted God to be in the back seat. But one night, um, I'll never forget it, um, it was New Year's Eve, and I was sitting on the couch by myself because I had just caused another storm. And like I said, nobody really wanted to be around me when I was like that. And I felt somebody sit down next to me. And I looked over, and I remember the time on the wall, but there was no one sitting there. And I heard God's voice louder than I've ever heard it. And he said, if you say you're going to follow me, then pour it out spit it out, and follow me. And so I didn't realize that after this decision, I would, the next five years of a spirit-led life would look so different than the last five years of a self-led life. God also has taught me throughout the years um, to have patience and endurance. And I don't think that you can have one without the other. I really love definitions of words, and so I thought I'd look up patience and endurance. And I just laughed because it, it was so fitting. Uh, patience is the ability to accept or tolerate delays, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. <laughs> endurance is the ability or strength to continue or last, especially despite fatigue, stress, or other adverse conditions. I've also heard it said that it's long obedience in the same direction. I know that these two things aren't easy to have. Daily tasks, jobs, finances, busy schedules, or just life in general is going to test your patience and your endurance. Every single day I have to evaluate myself and see if I've withstood the test, if I've shown the love of Christ, and if I've been patient. And I've had the endurance. My wife and I have been attending the church 
um, here for about four years, and we've seen growth in many ways. We've seen spiritual, supernatural healing in our own family. We've seen breakthroughs. We've seen relationships restored. We've seen people come back to church who have been away for a very long time. And I know that this is because we've both surrendered our lives to Christ, and we've let him lead. What I didn't know is that we would still have to face really hard things. And I will, be the, I will tell you that we've been tested. I recently saw a quote that said, the teacher is always silent during the test. It doesn't mean that God's not there. It just means he's evaluating your performance. Your pain has a purpose, and the purpose is growth. When God closes one door, he doesn't always open another door right away. Sometimes you have to hang out in the hallway. And right now, my wife and I find ourselves in a bit of a hallway. But I'll save that one for another time. Shortly after we started coming to the church, um, our youngest, Finley, she was about five months old. And my wife called me and said, hey, you need to come to Arkansas Children's Hospital. And I was like, okay. Um, so I met her there, and I walked into a room, and I didn't, wasn't ready for what, was, what I was about to see. There was doctors and nurses everywhere, and then I finally got a glimpse of Finley on a table, and she had a tube in her mouth and her nose, monitors on her head, hands, feet. She had gotten two respiratory illnesses at the same time, and it had tried to shut her lungs down. So she now had a machine keeping her alive. Right after this, I saw a nurse run out of the room crying. So, like, obviously not something you want to see right then, right? Like, they're supposed to be the calm people. So she comes back in with a doctor and pulled Kelly and I aside and said that they had made a mistake. So in their medicine locker, there was two vials, and one was 0 0.10 and one was 0 0.01. So they had given her the wrong one and given her 10 times what she was supposed to get of one of her medications. About an hour after this, they said that the care needed was going to have to be in Little Rock. So we were going to have to fly in a helicopter. I'd never been in a helicopter, and I really wanted to. <laughs> Obvi <laughs> so you can see what's coming, right? Not a good time to make a joke, right? But I was like, come on, like, let's Rochambeau for it. She beat me with scissors. But anyways, she got to go in the helicopter. I had to drive. So I get there um, to the hospital. I don't know if you've ever been in an ICU, but it's dark. It's quiet. Um, like, nurses are doing everything. There's monitors. It's very strange. It's like a casino. Like, you think you've been there for an hour, but you've been there for 10 days, right? But you're like, just, you're still going. So uh, in passing, um, I heard a nurse say to another nurse that Finley was a one. And I didn't think anything of it, but then later... Uh, I asked, and she said, it's a scale from 0 to 10, and 10 is life, and 0 is death. And so Finley was rated at a 1 to survive. So in this time, I realized very quickly that to walk like Jesus in a world of darkness, I was going to have to be rooted in the gospel, and I was going to have to really solid prayer life. I could have easily run back to all the things I used before, to numb my pain, to make me forget, to help me feel better. And I realized that I, was, I had two choices. I could give up or I could grow. I want to share this verse with you guys today. 
It's 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 14. You, however, know all my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, and sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. What I've learned in my walk with the Lord is that through the tough things, endurance is produced. And out of this endurance, your character begins to grow. When your character grows, you start to discover what hope looks like. And now no one can tell you that faith is blind because you've walked through it. So you can testify to what it looks like. I want to leave you guys with two things today. You will face earthly hardships. It's not a matter of if, but when. I know that this sounds kind of harsh, but nowhere in Scripture does God promise you that you're going to have an easy life. But he does say that with him, all things are possible. Just like in 2 Timothy, it also talks about being rescued from all of it. I know that if you saw Finley today, you'd see a comedian. You'd see somebody funny and fun, and, and she looks totally healthy. And you might say, why hasn't God answered my prayers? Why do his get answered? You might be in a season of waiting. You might have been praying for something for a long time and you feel like it'll never come. But I'm here to tell you, please don't give up. Please don't give in because your life raft is coming. And this is my second point. He will rescue you. Withstanding each test, whether it's two days, two months, two years, or two decades, this positions you for every good work that God wants to do in your life. When the posture of my heart is always saying, God, I don't know when you're going to do it, how you're going to do it, but I know that when you do, it's going to be so good. He will send an army to rescue you. Everything in my life has led me right here. I had to walk through it so I could share this testimony with you so you could be encouraged. I want to tell you, please don't ever look back because we're not going that way. We're going this way. So thank you guys for letting me share just a portion of my story today with you. If I can, I'd love to pray for each one of you. God, thank you for the trials that build strength, patience, and endurance in our lives. I pray that this would encourage everyone in this room that they have a good father who loves them and cares for them. He's already walked it out and he's willing to do something big in their lives. We love you and we thank you for all the blessings you've given us and all the ones you have in store. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give all of our communicators a big hand. What's up? Here's just some things that, as I was hearing everybody, Shelby talked about trusting God's direction. Chad talked about how God can make all things possible every day. Every day. And Ben talked about patient endurance. 
And I just want you to know that if you're in the room and you're feeling like, 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 like I hear what everybody is saying, but I feel, Pastor Stephen, I feel like I'm being missed. I feel like, you know, like, like all of these stories are happening for everybody else. Come on, just look at me for a second. But, but I feel like I'm being missed. And here is what I want to challenge you with. You're not being missed. God's just waiting to get your attention. He wants your total attention. And then he, because when he has your whole total attention, that's when excuses stop. That's when blaming what other people and what happened and whatever. And, and here's the thing is, that there's no amount of listening to sermons that will avoid hardship in your life. But you put it in your soul not so that you can pull it out when God doesn't measure up. You put it in your soul because on those hard days, you have something in here, come on, to anchor you. That you are not pushed around. James says, by every wind and wave, and you are sturdy and able to make it through. And I just, as I was praying for you sitting there, I just really do believe there's some people that, you know what? God's speaking to you. And you're going to have to trust Him. You're going to have to trust Him. And I, here's what. Will you trust Him if it takes longer than what you think? Will you trust Him? Here's the second thing is. Give up the idea that you've done enough for where you think you should be. And just keep doing every day. Every day. Every day. And then keep your patience and endurance. And I promise you, testimonies are coming out of your mouth. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.